As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to Land Sharks After Dark, your weekly dispatch from the dystopian hellscape that is Ole Miss Athletics. Changing that phrase up slightly every time. Uh, I kind of predicted when I first said it that I wouldn't be able to get it right. Half joking, but uh, it's turned out to be very true. But uh, here we are. It is Tuesday, July the 3rd. I'm your host, Justin Sanders. Got my co-host, John Stefanczyk, with me. And uh, we got a, I got a guest. It's been a long time coming as well. But first, let me throw it to John. How you doing, buddy? Uh, on the road again, am I right? Yes, Justin, you are right. Uh, John Stefanchik and I are. <laughs> I just got John jumped. All right, that's John Stevens, the longtime guest. I've been hyping. What's up, buddy? How you doing, John? Glad to finally have you on the show. <laughs> this is the danger when both your uh, your your uh, hosts and guests have the same name, I guess. Only one of us spells our name right, so he can tell that I said J O N. Yeah, it's technically yeah. well. It's, Technically a Jonathan and a John, so... You're right, sorry. Jonathan Stevens, John Stefanchik, uh, from yeah. Philadelphia. Am I right? Correct, from sizzling hot Philly. Yeah, so I, I get on... The first thing I hear from these guys is how hot it is in Philadelphia, so why don't y'all speak on that a little bit? Uh, heat index was 109 yesterday and 111 today. Hmm. It's hotter in Philly than it is in Dallas right now. Oof. It's... Uh, more humid for sure. We're talking 75 degree dew points, which means we can like drink and eat whatever we want, and we're not going to gain weight. That's the yeah, that's the upside. Hmm. Uh, so it sounds like a little uh, taste of Mississippi there up in Philadelphia. Pretty much, I'm over two on, on like reasonable weather on vacations this year. <laughs> what was go the- to Possum I think it's 105 every day. The every day. Late May in Texas, but typically it's more like 90 at that time. So mm-hmm. it's 50 degrees plus. So in Philly, same thing. We got record high heats. Mm. We're having a we're having a hot summer. Having a summer here in the United <laughs> States. Like spring spring never happened. Winter couldn't mm-hmm. go away, and the spring showed up. But anyway, yeah, tell you who who is what is not hot is all this season ticket sales. They just won't come out and say it. All right, what do you, what do you, what's our evidence for this? What are we basing this off of? Uh, I got an email today. You can buy a parking spot on the Grove or the Circle or next to the stadium. Now, that is pretty crazy. Like, I, in all of my years, which isn't that many, really, since I started attending Ole Miss as a student in 2009, I've never even fathomed that those stadium parking spots would be up for to be able to be bought. You know, I assume there was a waiting list for those. Uh, now there's, you're saying like parking spots by the Grove, even that is a very bad sign. I agree. There's 18 Grove Society spots remaining. Wow, open. that that's pretty crazy. Do they list a price, or it's kind of like a contact? Fifteen hundred a pop for the season. It's really not that crazy. I mean, in a in like a good free season, that would be a steal. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Yeah, I think John's definitely onto something there. That's uh, probably a sign of the waning enthusiasm for this upcoming football season. Uh, 
I, I mean, I can't say I blame the, the people that decided not to renew their $1,500 parking spots for this season. Um, I, I think we've seen a lot of that. I, I don't, I think McDermott's not doing his tent this year. Uh, that, that we were on well, last what's year. The reasoning for that, I want to have him on and go through this. I think, it, I mean, I, I, I don't want to speak for him, but I think it's just it's hard to justify that investment uh, in like a, a six and six at best type of a season. I mean, yeah, they could they could go better than six and six, but still, they're not getting the bowl banner returned. Um, you know what the outcome of the season is going to be. <clears throat> I mean, the Grove, the Grove is secretly a lot of work. Oh and yeah, I big time and very expensive. like you get like at the end of the year. You, you enjoy it, but you're almost kind of glad it's over with mm-hmm. in, a, in a lot of ways. It's a lot of work, and a lot of people do it just because they've always done it. You know, It's just something you do. And then when you have things that happen, like the way the fan base has been treated at the hands of the administration uh, throughout the entire investigation, it kind of makes you question, why am I putting all this effort into it? I and mean, we've talked about it on the show many times before about you got your HD big screen TV. You got your bathroom right there. You got your Kroger tailgate snacks that cost 30 bucks. You know, you've got your beer or whatever. I mean, that's that's probably the light track. I mean, that's the staple. Yeah, I mean, that's probably five hundred percent cheaper than than getting in your car and going and sitting in the stadium where you're hot and you might not be able to see the game as well. So, I mean, schools really have to offer uh, a lot of attractive stuff. And if you're old Miss and you have a, a not so exciting season coming up. I think you need to go heavier on the amenities. And the problem is, I think Bjork knew this. I think that's what the whole year of the fan thing was all about, was about let's make it about more than just on the field. Let's make it different and unique. But, you know, the real truth is everybody that works in the landing center uh, is lazy as hell. And what are, they, what are the actual ideas to make this season more interesting? What are the actual new amenities that are being offered? It's I haven't the seen anything. the fan. Exactly. It's a hashtag. So really, just like every Manning Center initiative, it boils down to a hashtag, right? That's about as far as they got. I just want to say hashtag Bjork for Kansas. That's our hashtag today. Yeah, but then who replaces him? I mean, Michael Thompson? Like, what's the what's who the alternative? Who cares who replaces him? At that point, I've got two and a half of the, of the three stooges out because Vitter's a lame duck. <laughs> two and a half. Yeah. Then we're done. Well, we fulfilled it. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess anything would be better. I mean, Bjork's had his moments, but there's definitely been a lot of lowlights the last three years, especially the last year and a half. Um, I don't know. Where, where do you fall on all this, John Stevens? Obviously, you uh, aren't living in Mississippi, but, I mean, John doesn't live in Mississippi either, but, you know, you're you're part of the uh, the Dallas Rebel contingent. First of all, let me ask about that. Do you uh, Do you see other Ole Miss fans in Dallas? Do you go to, like, the watch parties and stuff? I try to get about, about one watch party a year. Okay. Usually right. we'll have just a couple of. Yeah, we'll usually have a couple of friends over to sure. our apartment. We've got a 55 inch TV. I'm missing the Dallas Triple Club. How many attend a watch party? It's much bigger than our one in Boston. Yeah. Well, so the Boston one was you know, just about ten of us hanging out yeah. like every weekend. The Chompsons then. Sure. Yes. Uh, <laughs> But the Dallas Watch Club, so it's at a place called uh, British Beverage Company. Um, British, down, so British all, Beverage all Company? The, Sorry, we're having a slight audio issue. I think, I think it's resolving, yeah. though, listeners. Don't worry. A little connection problems. I think we're good. So British Beverage Company. Okay. Yes. Uh, BBC. And it's about a mile away from um, Beth and I live. And it's fun. It gets really rowdy. There are a lot more people there. Um, there. There are probably between, like, 50 and 60 people each time I've gone. There's a so, big Ole Miss contingent that, in Dallas for sure. There is. There is. Yeah, there was actually an article in the Wall Street Journal a couple weeks ago. 
And the uh, oh, cool. or it had uh, yeah, or a listing of like all the universities and like where most of their graduates go. And Dallas was one of the top ones for Ole Miss. Cool. Which yeah. Is interesting. I believe that. Yeah, we I mean, we have several friends, including you and Beth, uh, that, that live there in Dallas, and uh, it's always fun to watch an Ole Miss game there, I, I, either with uh, Chris Patterson or you guys, or maybe even uh, watch some with Scott and Amy out in Denton. Um, there's a lot yeah. of uh, a lot of Rebs in town there. Um, yeah. Have I? I think I told you this story, John. I don't know if I told it on this on the pod before for other John. Uh, we went to. Um, I know I've told you this. We went to that uh, Italian restaurant downtown. That's like real fancy. You, you told me that you told me the name of it last time we talked about this. Uh, it's like a single word name, and they uh, so the wait was like three hours. And, Americano. Yeah, Americano. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we we got in there, and I was wearing an Ole Miss shirt, and the hostess was like, "Oh, Ole Miss. I went to Ole Miss." I was like, "Oh, this is awesome. Great. Maybe she can help us get a table." Uh, and I think it took longer because I went to Ole Miss. I swear we sat at the bar for like for so long. Uh, waiting on that table, so the Ole Miss connection did not pay off uh, in that regard. But still, it was it was funny that the hostess went to Ole Miss. So that's kind of what you get when you go to Dallas. Uh, you'll run into some Texas people that went to Ole Miss, but aren't going to do anything to help you. But I mean, hey, that's that's how it goes. We, yeah, there's a ton. We go to an Indian restaurant in Center City, Philadelphia, to kick this off Saturday. Mm-hmm. And the guy that served us was an 05 Masters of Education graduate that had worked at Ouray. Very cool. How's that for a small world? He, he knew how to surf. That's back before currents got cheap with the Cisco. The past Very cool. Years. Maybe not a great sign for uh, what an Ole Miss degree can do for you career-wise. Still working in restaurants, but still very cool. Uh, the Philadelphia public school salary system. That's what we okay. have. Fair enough. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Is he a teacher still? I guess it is summer, so it's a summer job. No, he um, he said that the educators here in the great city of brotherly love don't get paid very much money. He's making more as a server. Well, then he would be teaching. There you go. The future of the American economy right there. <laughs> I know. We're all going to be working in the service industry because it pays more. Um, but, yeah, that is, uh, that is crazy. It's, well, it's a small well, SEC world. What are you saying, John? One football point because I humored myself. Ole Miss has got 22 commits because we're going with volume. This is the opposite of freeze chasing stars. Um, just one quick note that's interesting. A&M is number two in the team rankings this year. Of course, so, dude. Jimbo's going to open the checkbook. Jimbo, can Jimbo get A&M to reach its potential? That's going to be interesting. It, it really is. It really is going to be interesting to watch because, uh, you know, all we've ever heard is about how much potential they have, but this is the first time they've had a coach since they joined the SEC that really was going to, I don't know, do whatever it takes to get the guys on campus. Uh, and then I he's, think a proven, we, he's a proven enough outsider to the A&M cult that he... Him walking in there is – I hadn't really thought about this till now. Him walking into College Station is the equivalent of Saban walking into Alabama in 07, where he can tell everybody in that building, shut up, get in line, and they will all obey without really questioning anything. Because yeah. they're at a, they've gone through so many between Sherman and then someone almost got him over the hump for a couple of years with Sherman's players, and that fell apart. Mm-hmm. They've just gone in so many circles and haven't been able to get over where it's like, okay, we went and got the checkbook out. Here's a guy that's won a national title. Jimbo's a good salesman. He can tell him to go stand in the corner and shut up, and they'll go stand in the corner. And, and, and he's, he's also not just a recruiter, right? I mean, we believe that Jimbo can take that talent and coach it up on the field based on what he did at FSU. Yep. 
Yeah. So that that's that's gonna be something to watch for sure. I mean, the SEC West only gets tougher, right? Didn't he? Didn't he take Pavito? He he's got our old linebacker coach now that was at LSU. Is he an off the field recruiting guy? Yeah, that's is that right? That seems right. I don't know. I, I've heard. I've seen people saying, and I mean, this is typical after you replace a coach, but a lot of people are saying that the guy we have now, Summerall, is a better actual linebacker coach. You know, Pavito was kind of coasting on the fact that he was at LSU for so long. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. We'll see how the linebackers play this year. Uh, I just couldn't remember. I, I thought Pavito went to A&M there. Um, so while we're on the recruiting uh, topic, here's a question. I think this was posed on the uh, the Rebel Grove podcast. Um, you have to tell me if you heard it. I, I didn't listen, but the, the question is, is Ole Miss making a mistake by having four-star running back Jerry and Ely in this class right now? Because, I mean, there's a 99.9% chance Ely is going to be a first-round uh, MLB pick, never going to show up on campus, going to get paid millions of dollars to play corner outfield or something like that. Um, and mean, meanwhile... Uh, we're trying to recruit three and four star running backs, a position that's been perilously thin the last few years at Ole Miss, uh, and they're potentially getting scared away by the fact that Ely's in the in the recruiting class. Is so yeah, you get a slight bump to your class by having a four star running back, but is that really like the smart plan in the long run? I don't know. I think I think it's a very as, valid point. As of today, it is the correct move. You think so? The, but what if it scared the, away Eric Gray? As, went to Michigan. As of today, because when he committed. It was within the first thirty or sixty days of Luke becoming the coach. Yeah, he needed he needed something to build sell, build momentum with all the turmoil surrounding following his hire. Based on oh, he's a good old boy, blah blah blah. It also kind of sent a message nationally. People that didn't know the details were like, oh, they got a top one hundred kid to commit. That's good. Um, it helps sell that hey, we've got a top ten class now. It gives them a transition sales pitch and. If they go out and get two more solid running back commits between now and signing day, then they can take have Ely in and take a flyer on them. Right, now, but I think the point is that they're not getting Ely, solid commits. Does, Ely, does Ely's presence right. inhibit your ability to go get two more running backs? Exactly, is the question. Probably, because what if he comes to school and those guys weren't really banking on that? I don't know. I think, honestly, I think the best-case scenario is if they come to kind of a mutual – because the draft will be next June. Mm-hmm. Well, here he he he's not gonna he's not gonna decommit. Yeah, they're gonna keep him in the class, and they're gonna end up getting like one other like JUCO running back or some three star or something. And then Ely goes to the MLB, and then the question is like, wow, what do we really get out of that? And I don't what know. If, I think it's valid. I'm trying to think of how you get him off your commitment list. I know there's not really a good solution. I mean, well, here, here, could you get a better school to take him? Could you get Auburn to sign him and take a flyer on him? I know that's the dumbest theory. Ever. I don't know. I don't know if a better school is going to even waste a, a spot in their signing class on him. I mean, nobody well, needs the PR as much as we do. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I assume so. he stays in the class and he signs and then he goes and plays baseball, but it's it's more of a hypothetical, you know. Is this a mistake? I don't know. Well, we'll find out. I think a lot of people were connecting Eric Gray, who committed to Michigan the uh, past few days, to uh, to maybe having Ely in the class. I don't know. Um, just a, just an interesting hypothetical to discuss there. I mean, hey, if he wanted to come to school, let's say again, I do I don't think that's going to happen. That's insanely unlikely based on the amount of money he's going to get for a signing bonus in the MLB. 
But if you wanted to, that'd be great, right? I mean, you can play running back. He's really good. He can play for Bianco. Um, I just I don't think anybody thinks that's really going to happen, barring injury, which is, again, something that you don't want for the kid at all. But, I mean, can we talk about Eric Gray? He's a Memphis recruit. I mean, what is going on with Memphis? Are, are we ever going to figure out the Memphis recruiting, or are we just going to say, eh, we don't, we don't uh, need I, that city uh, right next to us? I don't know who this kid is. I've checked that out. He's a four, he's a four-star uh, running back from Memphis, Tennessee, commits to Michigan, uh, had offers from pretty much everybody. Um, I, I think it's did just Har- another did, Maurice Harris gripe. What'd you say? Did, did Harbaugh take him to IHOB? Did he get him to sign? I think he took him to IHOB. I think he got a steak burger. Uh, that's that's so bad. That is so bad. You get Harbaugh. You get Harbaugh. Who everybody? Who a lot of most people say is are saying is overrated at this point. He's a huge dork. PR standpoint goes into Memphis and gets a kid. Yeah, after after coming into Oxford and taking kids, you know, during the school year and Shane Dude, Patterson about and all that. Him, he's probably not that good though. So is this really? A good <laughs> yeah, I think people just hate to see a position of need, four star in an area that a lot of people still think should be, you know, solid old Miss recruiting territory, even though it hasn't been for a long time in Memphis. Uh, and I think that just rubs people the wrong way. And I think it's it's a Maurice Harris gripe, right? That's his. That's his territory. He's been hanging around the staff for a long time. You know, I personally think there's something going on there. Maybe he knows. Uh, I don't know what he knows, but he survived through two different staffs now. Never really justifies his existence. The tight ends are fine. Good, not great. I mean, hey, his uh, his tight end, Dawson Knox, is uh, one of the 18 freaks for 18, right? Is it? I kind of want to. We almost should have a Memphis roundtable pod at some point. We can cover a lot of topics. Oh, I know Table. Like, I know Table would love uh, would love that, right? He wants to talk about uh, Penny. Talk about Penny Hardwick. I want to spend I want to spend five minutes on why can't Ole Miss get anybody in Memphis? Yeah, I don't know. Well, like, is there? I well, I think it's potent, It's possible that Freeze. It's more, it's more, hurt. It's more than Maurice. Hurt. Yeah, well, I think having Freeze hurt you in Memphis because I don't think he had a very good reputation based on his time there. It yeah, is, that's is true. One they, thing. They, they, all the dirt that's come out. Yeah. So maybe with Luke they can start doing it better, but hold on. I'm looking at this uh, NFL.com freaks list. I'm trying to find the passage on Dawson Knox because we got to read this. All right, Dawson Knox. Uh, <clears throat> considering Knox was a track standout and a dunk contest champion in high school, it should come as no surprise the former prep QB has maintained remarkable athleticism while growing into a 6'4", 250-pound tight end. Initially a walk-on at Ole Miss, Knox, 24 catches, 321 yards last season, should make a major impact in the Rebels' offense this season. He has been clocked at 4.59 seconds the 40-yard dash, has a 37-inch vertical. In the weight room, he can squat 550 pounds and clean 375. So that sounds pretty good. Again, this is something we've litigated on the podcast many times. You know, is Knox actually fine? Do we give him too much crap? I just think it's hilarious given uh, all the backstory we have with Dawson Knox that he makes that list of freaks. There's no DK Metcalf on that list. You know, uh, an inhuman beast. But Dawson Knox, though, he's going he's gonna to sneak up on you. He's a freak. The, uh, was the list... Taylor to rich white kids. Just like right. Hope yeah. I think it was, US. yeah, it was the 18, uh, white kids that might be good this year. I think NFL.com. Yeah. 
So there's my transition to a topic we wanted to discuss. <laughs> that that was masterfully done. Wait, J- John Stevens, am I correct that are you a soccer fan? Or you're a Chelsea fan, right? Ooh. Oh, I. Your brother, your brother is a Chelsea fan. You are a uh, hold on, a Tottenham Hotspur. How's that? That sounds that's, like that's the only team you could support. Okay. So, all right, there we go. Got it. All right, so you're a soccer guy. Did you play soccer? Let's see. I played soccer in second grade. Okay. And then same. I switched over to basketball. Yeah. And then I played soccer in high school. Okay, that. you did play soccer in high school. Okay, so you might yeah. have some yeah. insight here. Uh, this is an ongoing debate uh, that we've been having internally, uh, sparked by Hope, Hope Solo's comments. Um, I don't know if anybody has them in front of them, but basically she said, you know, soccer has too high of a barrier to entry in the United States. Uh, these travel teams and to get the best training and all cost a lot of money. Um, it's an argument that you can make about a lot of these, you know, youth sports, whether it's baseball travel teams or even football and basketball teams. Although I, I think you can make the argument that there are more opportunities for kids that don't have the means, but do have the talent to, uh, to get into a sport like football or basketball whether it's through like a scholarship or a you know a sixty or a seventy seven coach taking them under their wing or whatever, um, but Solo is basically saying you know the United States would be better at soccer if it wasn't such a uh, you know a rich white kid sport basically. So I don't know where do you want to start with this, John? Where do we? I mean, how do how do we approach this question? I, I didn't play soccer in any meaningful way. Um, I obviously see the results that which is you know United States not in the World Cup. Uh, MLS is has some foreign players, has some American players. You know, I don't think it's a globally premier league by any stretch. I mean, what do we, I mean, I, I think what Sola said makes sense. Our friend Brad Anders, he disagrees. We'll have to have him on the show to uh, give his side of the story at some point. But I mean, where do y'all come down on this? Well, like a lot of um, uh, Brad's arguments, I kind of think that he falls short a little bit. Um, not necessarily all of them, but in this one, I do think so. So, um, I played soccer in high school, was never you know, good enough for like travel clubs or travel teams like that. Mm-hmm. But I definitely noticed a lot of the really good player, like the top two or three players on the, the, t- um, the teams for high school. Like they would play uh, travel. They would go out and travel and play soccer with these, these traveling teams. Right, yeah. And they were all like very, very talented, very good. But I think that's what – like we didn't have like any scouts from like colleges coming to watch past Christian in high school soccer they were going out to all these travel teams where every player was going to be good instead of just um, the high school teams. So it definitely cost a good amount of money to go play on a traveling team. And you had to obviously travel there as well. So I do think there is a barrier to entry for, um, for, stu- for students to become very good at soccer and become uh, noticed by scouts. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think I think the thing you have to contrast it with is is other sports, right? I mean, can we agree <laughs> that it is easier for a poor kid with very little means to get good coaching in football? I mean, again, I'm coming from this from an uneducated standpoint, but that's certainly my perception of it is that if you have the potential to be an elite football player, no matter where you come from, uh, the infrastructure in the United States is there to find you, support you. I mean, there are going to be coaches that want to bring you up their pipeline, whether it's to a college coach or a seven-on-seven team, like I said, or whatever. Uh, I, I guess the the real the real thing is there's more money there, and this is something that we talked about with Brad uh, that yeah. we were kind of um, aggressively, violently agreeing on. I think 
which is that the bag men and all of that in football make it a more appealing sport to uh, the people from all walks of life. Um, people with lesser means, obviously, if there's one sport that costs you $15,000 to play on a travel team and get better, and there's one sport that's going to pay you you know, uh, $75,000 down the line to go to college or whatever, whatever the numbers you want to use, um, that's obviously going to be more appealing. I mean, that's capitalism, right? That's that's basic human nature is if someone's going to pay you and someone else is going to charge you, you're going to go with the guy that's going to pay you. So I, I think that's an obvious gap uh, between football, basketball, uh, probably not baseball as much. I think baseball is kind of in between, right? We were talking about this before the show started where it seems like a lot of American baseball players do come from uh, you know, pretty – pretty at least um moderate means i mean uh it's definitely has still more middle class white kids playing it than you you see in uh in football at the highest levels and, and basketball but then you also have you know players that come from like the dominican republic and central america in general all this kind of stuff that play in the mlb so i i think there's a difference in the support systems uh in some of those latin american central american countries versus in the United States with baseball. Uh, but it's an interesting case study when we talk about soccer because it's it's somewhat similar. It's, it's not like football and basketball. Um, but again, I'm, I, know, I know not what I speak, which was Brad's main point that he made was that uh, I had no standing to talk about this because um, <laughs> Ole Miss doesn't have a soccer team and I didn't play soccer or something like that. You know, I got the bad news for Brad is that I can talk about whatever I want. That's kind of the whole point of this format that we got going on here um you know and the the freedom that everyone else has is to not listen and they exercise that you know pretty consistently so congrats to everybody so i'm gonna divorce this conversation from the specific what brad said to a i think it's interesting to benchmark um you know this is kind of where you had it you already commented on this i'm just yeah no go ahead yeah please steer us where we sit to other sports and i was i'd done the pro sports at the college level which we'll start there but it's interesting to benchmark it at the high school level mm-hmm. and then if we compare it to the men the men, the men versus the women i think those are we'll go through all of that so mm-hmm. the college level basketball and football all everybody on the roster has a scholarship give or more or less i mean there's exceptions to the world like dawson knox but for all it's perfect <laughs> everybody gets a full scholarship but dawson knox could have played any sport and he'd be a freak let's just all agree on that Baseball only has 11.7 scholarships for 27 spots, mm-hmm. which it's interesting. You, which if you really think about the travel ball and everything tied to getting a college uh-huh. baseball scholarship, that's kind of a rich white kid sport. Yeah, it's similar I mean, to soccer for sure, I think. I don't think Ole Miss's yeah. team has had more than one black kid on it for mm-hmm. the past 10 years at one time. Yeah, I don't think there's any – I don't think they have a uh, any minority on the team right now. Could be wrong. So MLB has kind of, to gather talent, A, it's a more mature sport popularity-wise than soccer. Because, I mean, think you have AAA, AA, and at least two versions of A-ball. Everybody has, has four or five levels of minor leagues to go out, reach, reach out, sign players, give them a place to play. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Versus the and there's enough money in the game to where you can afford to do that. Soccer does not have that money or infrastructure. Could demographic shifts yeah. pivoted the funnel some that way? Sure, because I think what we were talking about this earlier walking around Philly is that mm-hmm. all of our dads and like that generation is going to say they prefer baseball over soccer. They go to a game, they keep right. score, et cetera. 
our generation is watching soccer more. The, the, the great demographics are pivoting. MLB attendance is down. The attention span, um, the, the standard, I'm trying to think of the right way to word this. Basically, everybody's attention span these days is better geared towards soccer. It's a shorter game. It's easier to learn and understand versus I mean, baseball. Or yeah. A lot of time, really. I think it's debatable still because attendance could be down, but these brands, the the baseball MLB brands, are stronger than ever. I mean, look at the look at the Cubs resurgence, uh, not just on the field, but like the fan base wise. Um, I mean, you see people that you had no idea they cared about baseball at all during the Cubs World Series run that that are posting in their Cubs gear, and then you, I think the Yankees resurgence right now has got a lot of attention and a lot of people excited about it. I still think that it's it's not. It's not too late for baseball to regain some of that popularity. And I still think that viewing habits have changed. And I think people don't watch every MLB game, but I still think you, there's possibility to have some really exciting uh, and, and high leverage playoffs in the coming years with all the young teams that are coming up. But yeah, I mean, MLS is, is on the rise big time. Um, and can you imagine if the United States had made this World Cup, how much different it would be? Obviously, eight years from now, they they get an automatic bid as one of the host countries. That's going to be a huge, you know, media phenomena. There's going to be, you know, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions, of Americans watching uh, those World Cup games with the United States. So I, I think it's a valid point. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I just kind of had to jump in because I still like baseball and I, I felt under attack by your comments. But yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Soccer's going way faster. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. And like we talked about on the show also, soccer has the advantage of uh, not so much giving you CTE, right? I mean, that's going to be something that's huge in the future when it comes yep. to moms and dads picking what their kid's going to play, football versus soccer. One of them kills you and one of them, you know, just costs $15,000 for a travel team or whatever. But no, the point I was going to make, John, you talked about the minor leagues, and it's very – it's a very prescient point. It's a huge difference between soccer in the United States and soccer other places. Like when I went to Brazil uh, back in 2007, we met a kid that was like nine years old, maybe. He was super short, this tiny kid, amazing dribbler. Like he was like a soccer phenom. We were in the city called Salvador de Bahia, which is like the third largest city in Brazil after Rio and Sao Paulo. Uh, and this kid was like famous in the city. He was like the best soccer player of his age group or generation or whatever. Uh, and he had already, he was already signed, you know, like that's how it works. These kids, they're, they're in school, but they're playing soccer professionally from the age of six, eight, you know, if they have talent, they get put in these clubs, they live there, they train there. Um, it's, it's like the minor leagues on steroids because of the kid's age. It's something we don't really have in the United States in any sport. I think the closest would be, you know, the seven on seven circuits and high school football, uh, somewhat similar system, but it's even more intense. Uh, and that's something that I think. If you want kids of all backgrounds and walks of life to have the ability to become elite soccer players, uh, I think that's how they do it in the rest of the world, at least, is, you know, they are taken out of whatever situation they're in, poverty or whatever, and they're allowed to just focus on training soccer from a super young age. Uh, And I I don't know how you can deny that that has to have a huge impact on the talent gap between the United States and other countries like Brazil or these European countries that have these these great talents. just a big, it's a big difference. You hit the nail on the head with that. Um, so, like, just want to make a quick comparison to, like, the MLB farm system, at least to, to my knowledge anyway. So, one reason why I personally think that the Major League Baseball is more popular than soccer in America, um, and also for aspiring 
um, athletes mm-hmm. too, uh, professional athletes, is that the Major League Baseball has, I think, 30 teams. And they so you can play for the Red Sox or the Yankees. You can also play for the AA, AAA teams as well. Because um, I, I know people who play minor league baseball. And I think that's insane that I know people who have played um, professional sports before. And then the Major League Soccer doesn't really have that. We, they have like smaller um, – I mean, small like minor league teams as well, but really it's the NCAA athletes who mainly go on to play in the major leagues soccer, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Or, um, or people from other countries that are you know, not great, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. but still better than what we have. Yeah. And the salaries are abysmal for those, um, those minor league American soccer teams as oh, well. Oh yeah, for sure. You definitely work other jobs as well. So. And, and think- baseball minor league salaries are pretty bad too, but they're still a much more established system and understanding there that you can come up through the minors is more appealing for sure more money in general yeah yeah for sure and then so we look at uh my team at tottenham hotspur we've got a player named harry kane he's a striker who's maybe 23 or 24 years old Mm -hmm. he's has the most number of goals in the world cup so far he's only played in two games and he started playing for tottenham when he was like 11 years old Um, exactly and he just progressed yeah, yeah. So he's been playing on the youth teams, building up. Um, uh, we have, we have none of that in the United States. I mean, what I would like to see for soccer to progress in the United States would be these MLS teams start having affiliate travel teams and stuff like that. You know, that instead of paying to play for, they recruit the kids, they cover all the costs. Like that would be huge. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But maybe is it is it, is there a possibility that the problem is? Uh, in the United States, you can't really agree to a contract until you're of a certain age, and even with your parents' consent, I wonder if there are differences in those laws. I don't know. I do think that's a good point because I don't. I think you have to be an amateur to play professional. Right, and a team doesn't want to invest in a kid from the time they're ten years old if they don't know they're going to be able to sign that kid when they turn eighteen, right? And in the United States, it seems like there are more restrictions on that, so maybe that's a problem legally. Yeah, the Supreme Court needs to fix that. Let's get that initiative going. Well, yeah, also, uh, I just kind of thought of this. Like England has, I don't know, maybe ballparking 30 million people. It's a much smaller country, too. And same for like the French leagues and, and Spanish leagues and things like that. But they're and better so the than United us, yeah. Massive. And it'd be really hard for these uh, major league soccer teams to really like pinpoint a region or, or different cities to recruit talent at such an early age. Whether you, you don't even know if the kids are going to like the sport the next year. Right. Yeah, exactly. A little factoid, the United Kingdom has 65.64 million people. Uh, France, 66.9. Germany has 82 million people. But still, I mean... They've all got a fifth to a fourth fourth of the U.S. Right, exactly. It's it's much smaller than the United States. Um, But still, I mean, what's the second biggest sport there? I don't even know. Cricket. Right. So I think, I think there is less competition. I mean, I think they like basketball. There are a few football fans, uh, but, but still in the United States, the sports landscape is definitely more diverse. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, if you're a soccer fan, I think you have to examine these things critically. If you want to see the United States soccer scene improve, because I mean, there, there are reasons, there are reasons the United States lag so far behind. Um, but as we talked about on the show and as I already mentioned, I think soccer has a lot going for it, uh, in the next 20, 30 years, in the United States. So we'll see what happens. I still like the other sports more, but it's fine. We'll see what happens. Uh, it's all good. I can enjoy a soccer game for sure. So um, it was a thought exercise. Yeah. 
why is the U.S. as good as anybody in the world from a women's soccer standpoint? Well, sexism, right? I mean, is that real? I mean, I think so. I think I think women's sports. It's a combination. It's it's a combination of perhaps sexism in other places where women's sports just aren't as important, don't have the uh, the resources and all. And I think also you have to look at um, some legal things that have pointed to it. Title Nine. You know, yep. meaning that a lot more women's college soccer teams have scholarships than men's, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I think there's a lot of different factors that help the women's sports scene in the United States. But, I mean, that's the best explanation I've I've heard for it. Yeah. Justin, that's what I was going to say, too. Yeah, sorry. That's like John's point there. No, so, yeah. so, so, our, <laughs> so our success in yeah. the Women's World Cup is a supports the progressivism of the u.s from a women's rights standpoint mm, i mean somewhat but i mean yeah title nine is progressive but at the same time i think you can make the argument that it's kind of like mm, i don't actually want to touch this one but what i was gonna say is like if you can yeah. argue affirmative action equality of opportunity equality of outcome all of that stuff i mean i think I, i'm not saying that title nine is bad by any stretch i, I think it's done a lot of good things provided a lot of opportunities um, but I mean, I think you can examine those things critically and, and I don't know. I mean, I, I think women's sports are definitely a great thing. Uh, I wish they had a higher viewership and following again. This is why esports is the, is the shining, uh, beacon on the Hill for all of this. Um, sure it's male dominated now, but esports are something that actually, you know, both genders can be on the same level in, you know, there's a overwatch league player, Gregory. It's awesome. Uh, Shanghai Dragons, the worst team in the history of professional sports. They went 0-40 in the first season, uh, but it wasn't because of her. She's great. Um, I'm excited for for barriers to be broken down, hopefully, and and new sports like that. Uh, Also, kind of a related side note, have you all seen that Ole Miss is recruiting a uh, a walk-on female kicker? I don't know if we talked about that on the show. Uh, But she could be the first female kicker in the SEC. Interesting. That would be cool. I mean, and that's that's also something that I think Matt yep. Luke should be trying to do in this kind of weird spot with the program. Is is why don't we try some new things? Why don't we uh, get some publicity for for the right reasons instead of all the bad stuff we've been doing? So I didn't realize it was big of a split. It's, uh, men's college D one college soccer is ten scholarships per roster. Women's is fourteen, so they have yeah. four more scholarships per school. Interesting. Yeah. Soccer, anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. Shall we change subjects? Yeah, we're talking about how uh, you are NBA free agency. Force. Yeah, we're big yeah, Lakers fans now. So again, I played uh, soccer and basketball growing up. It's my two favorite sports. Well, what position? Really what position did you play in basketball, John? I've grown an inch and a half since eighth grade, so I was a power four. I was a forward or center. <laughs> okay, so you were <laughs> nice. nice. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, so NBA free agency opened up a couple of days ago, and like everyone thought, or like Vegas thought, LeBron James signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. Very excited. He'll be getting a lot of money, a lot more money than if you were playing soccer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, we're in Philadelphia right now, though, and we were at one of the art museums the other morning, and I, I'm scrolling through my phone on Twitter, taking a break, and I see that LeBron James. Um, uh, management is meeting with the Philadelphia 76ers. Trust and the process, right? Exactly. Finish the process. Mm. And he, um, and that was personally my number one spot for LeBron to go to because he has these really talented young players in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. 
Markel Fultz might get there. We didn't really have a full year of him last year. He was the number one pick in the draft mm-hmm. of 2017. But they had like the cap, the cap space outright to sign him, I think. Maybe they would have had to trade one player uh, away to make it work, like the cap work. But I really think that Philadelphia was the best spot, and I kind of got excited about that because I thought it would be really neat to be in Philadelphia. Whenever I thought it would have been cool, yeah. Signs, yeah. Well, then, do you think LeBron's messing up by leaving the Eastern Conference? I mean, he, he's going to ruin his final streak, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so I, w- I saw another statistic. Like, If you look at the top five vote-getters in the in- for the NBA MVP for the past couple of years, um, there are only two that are still in the Eastern Conference. That's Blake Griffin and, if you can believe it, Joe Kim Noah of the Knicks. Mm. And that kind of tells you like how bad, how mind-boggling it is that the Western Conference is so stacked right now. But yeah. then you see um, like JaVale McGee go over there. Rajon Rondo went to go play with LeBron now. And and Boogie. Boogie to the Warriors. Yes. And then Boogie. So a lot of fans thought, oh, maybe the Lakers can challenge the Warriors this year. And then the Warriors go out and sign Boogie Cousins for the, I think, the mid-level exception. $5.3 million. That's a bold Let's not assume that Boogie Cousins and Draymond Green aren't just going to actually get along and everybody rides the uniform. Well, and I then mean, also, what about the injury? Isn't Boogie coming off an Achilles injury? He is. I don't even know if he's going to be playing until, like, December. Maybe. Right, uh, right. Not that so, they need him, but... Yeah, no. Yeah, so I kind of think that Boogie's taking... The, oh, so, and for fans of the podcast who don't know, uh, DeMarcus or Boogie Cousins play is a top 15... NBA player when healthy, arguably, uh, right, maybe right. the best center in the league, and he tore his. Best he likes to be a power forward, though. He likes to put power forward. Okay. Um, yeah, but um, well, weren't they? They were both in the same team just now, right? Am I wrong? They were, he was yeah. a Pelican. Yes, yeah, they were. Yeah. Um, Demarcus tore his Achilles, right? And um, he he was out for the remainder of the year, um, and he's it's a pretty lengthy is, rehab. Is Davis definitely staying in New Orleans? I was reading rumors yesterday that he could uh, <clears throat> he could be on the move as well. He's under contract, correct? Yeah, he's under contract for two now, more years. Now, now let's, just be, let's think this out for a second. Mm-hmm. Cousins is gone. Rondo's gone. I guess you got Drew Holiday. I mean, you got to keep that team together. Yeah, right? Drew Holiday's... Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I know yeah. what I saw. Anthony Davis bought like a mansion in L.A. That's what it was. Yeah. Well, if you had a bunch of money, you'd buy a mansion. I'd buy a mansion in L.A. potentially. So. I know. Uh, but so, it's, it's definitely possible that Anthony Davis could leave um, in, in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I, I know he loves New Orleans, and he really wants to make this work. He. Yeah, but when saw, you're a great player, you have to think about your legacy, right? It's not just about staying in one city that you love. Like Kevin Durant's legacy? No. <laughs> right. Couldn't win it one by himself. Well, then we got to talk about OKC, too. Paul George staying is pretty crazy. Yeah, that is massive for the Thunder. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also went out and re-signed Jeremy Grant, who's a very solid role player for them. And they also signed Nerlens Noel at the minimum. And if you remember just last year, um, the Mavericks had him, and they offered him four years, $70 million. And he turned it down because he thought he was worth more. And he barely ended up playing this year because of injuries and attitude problems. And now he's going to be making just a maybe $5 million the next two years. So in hindsight, he's got to be kicking himself in the butt. But, yeah, well, um, going back to Anthony Davis, though, he, like, hours after the Lakers renounced Julius Randle, um, Anthony Davis was on the phone with him, and Julius Randle is an average 20-10 and 10 for the Lakers after the All-Star break. He signed with the Pelicans. And he signed with the Pelicans for two years, $18 million. He compliments Davis better than well. Cousins did. Yeah. 
Yeah. Plus, mm-hmm. that's, that's Davis's team now. Mm-hmm. Cousins was going to kind of have to get out of the way. The Golden State team makes sense for Cousins. Here's here's my one thing with Golden State. I mean, there were stories about Steve Kerr during the finals that he's pretty much burned, seemed to be burned out, had enough, all the drama around the Warriors, the whole everybody trying to knock them off and the team getting complacent throughout the year, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they were complacent in the first half of like every Western Conference Finals game, mm-hmm. for example. So I just wonder if Kerr is kind of sitting there going, I've won my three titles, I'm burned out, I'll come back another year. Then you throw Cousins in the mix. If you get Cousins going psycho with Draymond being Draymond and Durant's kind of an odd duck, and Curry's, I mean, you got so many, and Curry's not a bad guy or anything, I want to say that, but Curry and Clay have, I mean, there's so many personalities on that team that if Curry's not 100% locked into being the guy to control all of that, then I I wonder, could it kind of all potentially unravel? It kind of almost did this year, except they're so damn talented, it didn't matter. I know, they were... One Chris Paul hamstring injury from losing the Western they Conference Finals. They were down finals. by ten at the half of the seventh game of the Western yeah. Finals. Chris Paul's playing. Well, they were down three to two as well. Yeah, it's um, amazing. Yeah, so there are a lot of um, personalities. That's a good word for it, John. Um, over in Golden State, um, and there are there are a lot of egos mm-hmm. associated with that as well. Um, but I do think that if anyone can keep the team together, it would be Steve Kerr, and I, I also. Th- I believe he just signed an extension as well. Um, so I, I do think that the, the, I mean, the Warriors are going to kick, they're going to win the NBA Finals next year. There's no um, denying that now. I don't know if Boogie's going to play as uh, much this year. I think he's going to be mainly focused on his rehab. He'll, he'll shine at the very end of the year, shine in the playoffs. Hopefully, well, he'll probably get a ring. You think it's a lot? And, yes. Celtics yeah. with everybody healthy. And mm-hmm. hungry. Yeah, barring injuries. With yeah. a coach. Can't give him a run against a psychotic warrior team. I mean, well, it might depend on depth. The other bit. thing, too, is the Warrior. I mean, I mean, the Eastern. There's only two teams that can win the East this Philadelphia year. Philadelphia and Boston. Boston. So mm-hmm. you get two free rounds of the playoffs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Versus, I mean, Golden State is going to have to play three good teams. Yeah. I mean, if they got to go play LeBron and, you know, six games of LeBron and Houston's back, I don't know. True. Yeah. The West is wild right now. Houston's going to – if Houston plays them again, they're going to – if they're strong, they'll sit there and tell themselves, we won that series last year. We Mm -hmm. had our whole team together. Chris Paul is healthy. Chris Paul is coming back for $40 a year the next four years. But he, he is getting older. Um, and Clint Capella was their breakout center for the year. Is Iguodala and back with the Warriors? I don't think he was a free agent. So I He's think, a year older. Can Iguodala yeah. still be the key playoff stabilizer for that team? Well, they didn't, they didn't play as well against no, the Rockets he was, without him. He, he was kind of the glue guy. He's the one guy that's like neutral and keeps the ship steady. Everybody else yeah. on that team is, is a personality. Yeah. Well, so... I think Iguodala was like their first NBA Finals MVP as well. I mean, he's not—he's no yeah, slouch. He, he, yeah, he was the MVP. Name. Well, he's a good player. He was an All-Star here in Philly when he mm-hmm. was here, and he—he's the guy that went there 
and said, I'm going to go take a, a veteran role. They really, they kind of almost need Curry or Thompson. I just don't know if Durant really has the makeup to be that guy, mm-hmm. to kind of be the, who, who's the glue in the locker room? I think it's Steph's team. Um, he mm-hmm. was he was drafted by yeah. the Warriors. He was He's an MVP. He has set so many NBA records. Um, I probably need more than two hands to count. But well, he's streaky by nature. But more often than, than not, he's pretty hot, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's mostly hot. But yeah. he can, anyway. It'll be interesting. Yeah, so I, I, that is a good point, though. Um, the Warriors, Because the West is so stacked and loaded with talent, they're, they're, they're going to have to get through They're going to play a Brad Stevens Celtics team in the final mm-hmm. that is going to be the most even keel, prepared, X's and O's. If the Warriors are as focused and into it as the Celtics, the Warriors should win the series. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying. Yeah, it'll be a really interesting uh, series to see. Um, looking forward. I, I am looking forward to watching basketball over the next couple months. I'm seeing these really good teams play against each other. Or not a couple next couple months, but in a couple months. Um, but I do think that there are a lot of like really top-heavy teams right now. Um and I don't know if that's going to be good for the league in the long run. Mm-hmm. Uh, the league's gotten pretty out of balance with this the way they've done the cap the past five years. Yeah. I mean, to your point, you have to have a star to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, it, it's surprising. Like everyone, or like Sam Hinkie, ended up getting fired from Philadelphia, and now the Sixers are one of the top two teams in the East, presumably. And they've kind of gone about it the right way. They drafted the best player available every time. And they really nailed a lot of the draft picks. Too. But, but, ja- Jaquil Okafor did not work out for them. I don't even know if he's on an NBA roster right now. The key, uh, the key for Philly is going to be have the oh, Oklahoma City waited too long to fire Scott Brooks mm-hmm. to get to, to try to get a guy. They said so Donovan damn near had him there three years ago. Yeah, they should have won Game Six, but Clay Thompson went nuts in that fourth quarter. Is Philly going to fire their coach after this year and get a real coach in there? Brett Brown? The the team loves it's, Brett Brown. He's been with them since the he's beginning. He's not a championship coach. He he got everybody happy and got them. The, he got he, he, he's a get you to the second round. Probably get him to the final this year, but he's not beating yeah. Brad Stevens in the playoff series. I don't know who you go yeah. get. We'd have to think about it. But do you get? Could you get Jay Wright to go coach that team? Oh, he didn't have to move. He, does, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. And Philadelphia fans would love the decision. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, we've been here for three days now. And we think we know everything. You could get Jerry Wright to coach that team. He doesn't have to move. He gets, to, he gets Simmons and B. And who's the other great player that I'm forgetting on that team? Well, Markel Fultz plays for them. Fultz. We don't know if he's great yet. Well, and some other dudes. And all. And he's, you're guaranteed a spot in the Eastern Conference Finals where everybody's healthy. Mm-hmm. And you don't be stupid. Yeah. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out this next year. I they got to get Jay Wright coaching. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that's about as much NBA as we'll do for the next, until the next time you're on. Yeah. yeah, that was great. Thank you so much, John. I enjoyed. Yeah. I enjoyed learning. I was just listening. I know the NBA stuff pretty well. Heck yeah, dude! All right, what else do you know? What else do you want to talk about? Um. The, English national soccer team. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's get some. Let's get some World Cup predictions going. Let's. Oh, yeah. uh, I haven't yeah. watched a game yet. Tell me what's the game I should watch. 
Hey, just like a good American. Just a good American. <laughs> hey, if some of us okay. have jobs. I'm not working today because it's the day before a holiday and we're off, but I have been I've been watching because the games are all during work. I'm just dedicated to my uh, my profession. But what's the is there a game today or tomorrow that I should be watching? I mean, is there a Fourth of July game? I think the most American thing ever would be to like not watch soccer on the Fourth of July. So I'm not gonna. <laughs> there is but there is no Fourth of July. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. sucks. So um, is there is, so what? You, we have to watch baseball tomorrow. Is there anything on tomorrow? Okay, well, that's that, forget. It. You don't have to answer that. Tell me about the World Cup. I want to hear yeah. about the World Cup. Yeah, sure. So, of course, it started with 32 teams. Um, so, Colombia versus been... England is on right now. Is that right? Sorry to interrupt again. Oh, no, you're good. Yeah, it's 0-0, so a typical soccer match for the first half. Okay, I need to turn this on so I can uh, get in the spirit. Continue. Yep. You might get to watch some Harry Kane and some other Tottenham players. There you go. Um, the field. Yeah, so for listeners who aren't as – because I know the United States is not in the World Cup this year, so we might not all know about other structure. But there are 32 teams – and there are like eight groups in the top two from each. The, the teams all play each other, so three games. And then the top two teams advance to this, like the Sweet 16. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's those are the, game, the last game of the Sweet 16 is going on right now, Colombia and England, where it's tied zero to zero. And so we've had a few upsets already. Germany did not, who won the last World Cup four years ago. Thrashed Brazil seven Wait, to one. Yeah, I think I know this. Wait, okay, Germany, Argentina, Portugal. Those three teams are out. Am I right? Right. Yes. So, yep. so the way so this is today is the last round of sixteen, which is the first knockout stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the way the the way the draw fell is kind of all your powerhouses champions are on one side, mm-hmm. and then you've got more of the dark horse side. Which Colombia and England are more of the darker side. England's won it before on home soil, but they're kind of the uh, how do we? They're always underwhelming. Yeah, they all England always tends to fall short in the World Cup. They're perennial underachievers. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who they are. They the '90s Braves. I mean, they've won it once, so they weren't total failures. But they don't. They didn't. They don't achieve their full potential. No, well, the Braves were actually really good though. Yeah, they, but they only won one world title. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean the, well, England that doesn't really make it to the finals or even the semifinals. They're, they're usually the sixteen like round quarters. Yeah. Like the break, I guess it's like the late Bobby Cox era. They get to the wild card. They get knocked out in the first round. They're the two thousands Braves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they've won it. Yeah, they've won it a century in the yeah. past centuries. So. Yeah. So England has arguably the best professional soccer system or soccer league in the world with the English Premier League. And what you'll see is um, a lot of English players, a lot of Belgian players, um, a lot of French players, a, a lot of players from these other nationalities. And they all come together to play in the Premier League because it's the best league and has some of the best teams. A lot of the top Spanish players and, Span- and players from Spanish-speaking countries try to go play for Barcelona or Real Madrid in Spain. Anyway, so that's why we're talking about England so much. They have what's well known as, usually well known as the best league in the world. But so some of the so they are on, they are on the dark horse side. If they win today, which I think they will, they're going to play Sweden. Who won it earlier today? And then the other you two. I think they will. They're going to get beat three nothing in the second half now. Oh, by Colombia. Yeah, you just jinxed your yeah, team. Yeah, I probably did. But that we'll wasn't see. smart. You don't say stuff um, like that. See, this is a re- <laughs> proven reverse. Yes. This is a proven reverse jinx podcast. You got a reverse I said jinx. I Mississippi State last time. They go lose two games to Oregon State. Boom, out of the tournament. 
Yeah, and so just a, just a quick sidebar on that. Uh, I was with my cousin's husband, who's a state fan, uh, on the, the last weekend, and we watched that last game when they got out and all. And I just want to give him credit um, because he understands the reverse jinx more than anyone. He always says state's going to lose. Uh, and I, I have to respect that because there are two outcomes when you bet against your team. Either they lose and you're right, or they win and you're wrong. You don't care because you're happy. It's a it's a win win situation. Always reverse jinx. Okay, back to what you're saying. Yes, the reverse jinx. I learned so, something new so, today. So the draw right now, the the quarter the next. So England Columbia is right now. Uh, let's see, the sixth is Friday. Friday you have Uruguay France. France has won it. At least once. Mm-hmm. They were in the finals in 06. Uruguay, Uruguay won two of the first three back in the 30s. They're talented teams. One of them, winner of that goes to the semis. Yeah. You have Brazil, Belgium on Friday. That's two heavyweights. Arguably the winner of that game is the favorite to win the whole damn thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then going back to Uruguay, France, too. Uruguay, uh, championed by professional biter Luis Suarez. Absolutely. Uh, Yep, to, um, defeated Portugal, led by Cristiano Ronaldo. So Uruguay eliminated Portugal uh, in Ronaldo, and then France eliminated Messi with Argentina as well. So those are the two teams that took out uh, our star, the star players of the World Cup. Um, Brazil is a heavy favorite, or is a favorite, I think. Um, Belgium has a lot of very talented players. They, they snuck by Japan yesterday, surprisingly, 3-2, to two, and... They were down 2-0 in the second half and then scored a ridiculous – Yager Vertonghen scored a ridiculous header. If you haven't if you haven't seen the goal, I'd definitely Google it. <laughs> it was oh, super – yeah. Yeah, yeah, my jaw kind of dropped. Another Tottenham player, by the way. Um, and then Nasser Chadli scored in the 94th minute uh, to win the game for that. Bottom, and, the bottom half of the bracket round of 16 was – the eight teams in it were Spain, Russia, Croatia, Denmark, Sweden, Switzerland, Colombia, England. So on paper, Spain should cakewalk. They get knocked out by Russia and Moscow, so they run into the to the home team on penalty kicks. Pulls the upset. So you have Russia, Croatia in a quarter, winner to the semis playing the Sweden and either uh, Colombia, England winner. I mean, you, Russia, Croatia, Sweden, Colombia, England. One of those teams is in the final, mm-hmm. playing either Uruguay, France, Brazil, Belgium. I think it's France, England in the final, and France wins the whole thing. I think, so I'm just going to guess or make some predictions. I think that France has just the structure in place to defeat Uruguay. Uruguay kind of plays a little bit more scrappy. Um, And I also think that Brazil will um, defeat Belgium. Um, Oh, Tottenham's got a few players on the Belgium squad too, so I'm cheering for Belgium, but I think Brazil will ultimately pull through. And then Croatia over Russia. And then I think England over Sweden. So now we've got um, France. Colombia is going to go to the final notes. <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll eat my hat if that happens. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not wearing a hat right now. Okay, good. Uh, You're safe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, so, which also reminds me that Scott Ray uh, never ate his Cubs hat. He said he would eat his Cubs hat if Trump won. He has never done it. I just said he doesn't listen to the show. I just had to tell more people that <laughs> he has never followed through on that. Yeah. Uh, it, maybe if you get him a MAGA hat, he'll eat that one instead. No, he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. I'll never <laughs> forgive him. Yeah. But uh, in, the fi- in the finals, though, I think it's going to end up being France and Croatia. 
and then France over Croatia. So, John, I think we've got the, the same winner. I think you were going to pick. France historically either does really good or absolutely flames out and just doesn't show up. They're, they're very moody, very special. I can I can support that. I like I like the French. I like France. I, I would they, be cool with them winning. They've got a talented young team, and when the French get the ball rolling, it's all right. So I'll cheer for I'll cheer for France. No, cheer for Croatia England. would be fun too. I would love Croatia to win. Croatia would be great. Dude, they, would, they would go and see. Can you imagine if a country that size won the World Cup? That would be insane. They would, they would lose it. Yeah. That would be fun. Um. All right. So that's interesting. We got. I'm learning a lot today. NBA and World Cup knowledge being dropped here. Uh, I got the England-Columbia game on now, so I'm officially a World Cup guy. Uh, you know, don't disturb me for that. When's it over? When's the final? A uh, week from Sunday. Okay, so yeah. pretty pretty soon here. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Well, that's something something to do here in the uh, the long summer months. Um, we mentioned a little MLB. I don't know what's y'all. You, John, I know you were you were watching the uh, the Sox Yankees this past weekend. Yeah, we got that college baseball crap out of the way. We move on. To real oh yeah, baseball. finally, finally, that's over. Congratulations to uh, Oregon State, one of the least likable teams uh, in the world. Um, What's, even, what's not likable about them other than one guy is playing? Yeah, that's those. that's it. Yeah, that's enough for that's enough for me. That's fair. That's yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cubs doing? I was trying to pull it up here. They're they're doing fine. Uh, Lester at a home run. That's that's the kind of thing that I am interested in is when dumb shit like that happens. Uh, I want to say, who's the best team in the NL Central this year? I think it's. I think Cubs have a shot at that. You know, the Brewers are okay. So, nationally, uh, the Braves are up by three and a half in the East. Yeah, the Braves are having a great season. I'm going to become a Loki Braves fan, I think, even though I've never liked them until now. Damn, they're seven ahead of Washington. Yeah. They're in a strong spot to win this division. They beat the Yankees in the stadium last night. Yeah. They have the second best run differential in the NL behind the Cubs. The Cubs are getting back to the Brewers, yeah. even in the loss column. Yeah, so that's that. That could be the Braves and the Cubs on the stretch could be fun. Uh, that's that's. I that's, see the Dodgers have gotten back to six over with a plus sixty seven differential. They had course. a really crappy start. You know, nobody's dominating the NL. The Braves are probably too young to get all the way in the postseason. The Cubs mm-hmm. have to feel pretty good because they've got experience coming through. But I almost. I almost wonder. I don't know if, if the, the pitching. They need more pitching. I don't know. I almost wonder. I mean, the Dodgers had heartbreak after all of last season. If they can kind of scrap their way, if they won this division at say ninety games, and then maybe, um, I could see the Dodgers kind of getting in the playoffs and then getting through all the way back to the World Series. Mm-hmm. Just the way this is breaking, I don't see. I don't see an East team that's going to get it. I think the Brewers are the wild card in this. The, the Brewers, Cubs, Dodgers are the three teams. And then the AL, I think the clear favorite's got to be the American League. Because you got Boston, yeah. New York are strong. Houston's probably the best yeah. roster top bottom of the They just won last year. They're really good. American League, Houston has a plus 170 run differential. Man, Red Sox at 120, Yankees at 109. I mean, Sox, Yankees, Houston are all three championship caliber teams. Yeah, 
Cleveland's going to be the sleeper that gets in, and by the time the postseason rolls around, they'll be right there too. And then Seattle's also. Oh yeah, Seattle's <clears throat> Seattle's really good this season. I, I think they could win it all. One run, one run games. I kind of wonder is that how sustainable is that? Yeah, I don't know, but I, I don't know. I think they I think they could be really good down the stretch. We'll see. Um, yeah, so that's your that's your all sports update. Uh, I think the only thing we didn't talk about was the NFL. <laughs> Anybody got an NFL tidbit to throw out? Uh, Jameis Winston can't do anything right. Oh, anymore. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he's not worth it. <laughs> I feel like Jameis' entire career is just going to be two years ago you did this, and that's just going to be rolling forever. He's going to be constantly getting in trouble for what he did two years ago or whatever. That seems like a Jameis thing. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so that's a that's sad if you're a a, a Bucks fan, right? Uh, Chris Patterson, I know, likes that team. Um, yeah, so there you go. There's your NFL tidbit. We've, all, we've covered every sport now. Soccer. Uh, if only table was on, we could talk about boxing or uh, what rugby or something, something insane the like that. That is a uh, dirty Eddie Hearn. His boy Joshua pulled out of the Wilder fight. Although they'll say it was never actually agreed to. Ah, yeah, they, I did they, see something. Dodging. About it. It's pathetic. It's terrible. Eddie Sad. You know one thing about boxing: Eddie Hearn sucks. That's the only thing. You know. Okay, there you go. Well, now <laughs> I've learned something about every sport today. Terrence uh, Crawford is very, very good. Is the thing. I like it. I like it. Um, all right, cool. Well, I think we got to everything we wanted to talk about today. Uh, of course, John Stevens, thank you, sir, for joining us. Happy to have you uh, in the Landtrax After Dark Extended Universe now. Uh, you've been a proponent of the show for a while, and I appreciate that. And uh, it's always great talking to you. Always great seeing you out in Dallas. I'm sure it'll be uh, before too long. I'll be back there uh, in about a month, I think, John. So I'll, I'll let you know, man. And uh, hopefully we can get together. Uh, John Stefanzik, same to you, my friend. Thanks for taking the time during your vacation, guys. I enjoyed uh, hearing all the Philly updates before we got going on the show. Um, I, will, I will condense them for our audience here. Uh, the bell is still cracked, I hear. Um, John uh, explained that it has to do with how they were really bad at alloy, alloying metals. Uh, a lot of Alloy processes and technologies were not uh, at their current form in the 18th century, so you kind of get what you get. There you go. That's your Philly fact of the day. Um, enjoy the rest of your time there, guys. I know uh, you got another day or two. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that'll do it for the show, guys. Uh, we don't really have too much to plug. You can follow us on Twitter if you don't already. Um, and uh, yeah, listen to the show on Apple Podcast, on uh, SoundCloud, any of those options. Uh, but yeah, I think that'll do it for John, for the other John. I'm Justin. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you again later. Jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers. 
hunt for muddy puddles and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.